This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 291 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am all right. How are you, Chad? Oh, all right, I guess is a pretty good way to put it. Now, I wanted to ask you, because you and I have not talked uh, much in the last week or so, and um, I made the comment last week that I was pretty bummed out as the season ended, you know, it wasn't a great season for the Reds. You may have noticed that. Um, I, yes. <laughs> but I said, I'm not sure that the Reds could have done a whole lot in the first week of the off season for us. That could get me uh, kind of excited um, more than what they did. You know, and, and we talk about the Turner Ward thing and uh, Cal Bodie's hiring and just uh, the, the stuff we talked about last week. And that's been talked about ad nauseum amongst uh, Reds observers. Did you have a similar similar uh, response or do you have any thoughts on what the Reds have done since the season ended? Yeah, I mean, I think I think similarly. I mean, you know, the playoffs are still going. They can't even officially negotiate with anybody yet. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what most excited me is the is the Grandall news. Um, you know, hiring the driveline guy is interesting and potentially good, but I, you know, I I would like them to get some good players. <laughs> <laughs> that leads into something we're going to talk about in a moment, but yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm much more excited about potential acquisitions of guys who have already proven what they can do as opposed to, you know, uh, hoping that some pitching magic can be continued to be sprinkled around the organization, I guess. Yeah, I just I thought it was a real positive sign that uh, the Reds yeah, are like, a, a guy who that- everybody else was trying to get as well, you know. Um, I saw also, I think this was just a couple of days ago, that they've posted an opening for another analytics person. Um, so they're looking to further expand their analytics staff, which is a good sign. It is a good sign that they're doing this five years too late. Yeah, well. <laughs> but we'll take what we can get, I guess, right? Yes. And about the Grandal news, of course, that's the rumors that the Reds uh, are, you know, the, the reports are they're going to be in the hunt for Yasmani Grandal. And, and that's really not that surprising. He's the catcher for the Brewers. Uh, this year was with the Brewers. Uh, that will be a free agent. Given the fact that the Reds really kind of went hard after JT Real Muto last year, catcher's a position where, they have been uh, very openly trying to upgrade. So that's not really that much of a surprise. Uh, how serious are they going to pursue him? That remains to be seen, but that's one of the top free agent targets that we've talked about, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think he probably makes them, you know, four, three to five, or three to five wins better probably yeah. than they were this year. I, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm a big fan of Tucker Barnhart. And so whenever you talk about the upgrading catcher, that's what some people come back at you with is you don't, you, you're, you must hate Tucker. Um, 
no, I think Tucker. I would, uh, like I said, I would, I would love anything. I would love nothing more than for him to be the Reds' backup catcher for the next, you know, seven, eight years. You know, yeah. he's a perfect backup catcher. Play thirty five, forty percent of the time. We just, if you can get a bat in that spot, it really helps. Yeah, with with Tucker, it really, it's just it's just all about the hitting or, or you know the lack thereof at times. Um, if, boy, if he could, if he, yeah, that batting average or that slugging percentage, either one was just a little bit higher, it would yeah. make so much difference. But yeah, because he has some on base skills. Yeah, but uh, not a whole lot else. That uh, yeah, he's always walked. He's walked quite consistently through his entire career. Yeah. Um, so you can live with a guy like that that's got a good glove and uh, can get on base a little bit. But you're right. If he could just bump up some of those uh, other numbers a little bit, he could be a a legit guy. Um, he's a legit major leaguer, and uh, I don't I don't not looking to get rid of him. But yes, Monty Grandall would be nice to have in the Reds lineup. Now I want to pose a question to you, Jason. Pose it. And this is something I mentioned on our uh, Slack channel uh, this week for uh, Patreon supporters. But um, I, I did a spot on WLW, the big one. You've heard of WLW, Jason? I have heard of them, yes. Last weekend I was on uh, WLW with uh, Rick Uchino, and uh, he, I, we were talking about I, I kind of made a comment similar to what you said a moment ago about I'm ready for them to get good players. <laughs> you know, I want, It's time to win. And the question kind of came back to me. Uh, well, what, you know, are you advocating that when they go all in, that they mortgage the future or that, you know, uh, would you advocate mortgaging the future? I guess is the question. I don't remember exactly how it was posed, but for just one season, if you knew you're going to get one good season with no guarantee, that may be the only good season you get. Would you do that? And, and my answer was, yes, I would mortgage the future for one good season because think over the last 25 years, how many good seasons have they had? And, uh, you know, is the, is the other, the flip side of that, well, let's uh, wait until the Reds figure it out. You know, they, we, we can talk about this future, building for the future. And that's all they've done for most of my adult life is build for the future. I'm ready for a team to be serious about winning. And, um, you know, that's sort of a, a drastic way of putting it just one year. Cause you know, you don't know that, but, um, uh, that was that was kind of my answer. Yeah, I think I think I'll do that because how many good years have we had, and and, and you know why why am I wasting my time? So, any thoughts on that? Um, I would do the most teachery thing possible and argue the premise, uh, which yeah. is that I don't yeah. understand the Reds have money, and until they prove to me that they don't, I assume they have money. So, who says they have to mortgage the future in order to have one good year? And and where and why does it have to be just one good year? You know, yeah. I mean, why can't they every year? Yeah, try to compete. I mean, like you know, if we're talking about mortgaging the future, I think we all understand that the Reds only have enough prospects really to get one, you know, frontline player. So okay, get Mookie Betts. You only have a year of control with him, and then break the bank to extend him. Nobody's saying you can't do that, right? Yeah, or you know, whatever else to make the team, uh, you know, yeah. b- better the next year. You got you got some money to spend. You got some uh, flexibility, and meanwhile, do the things that you're doing to try to build up the farm system. The hiring of Bodie, obviously, and, and Derek Johnson having control of the entire organization's pitching and then trying to hire someone, a hitting coordinator as well. You know, those are all uh, things that can maybe help to sustain or, or provide more assets going forward. But I, I, I don't I don't see any justification at this point for not going, quote unquote, all in. And I guess the question is, what does that mean? And I'm just saying, give me a team that's uh that's a serious playoff contender. And I was encouraged that Dick Williams did say that specifically. 
everything we're doing here is because we want to make the playoffs in 2020. I mean, he, li- yeah. li- he literally said He said the payroll is going to go up. There have been a couple of analyses of what the Reds' likely payroll is, and it's both of them that I've seen have them slightly south of $100 million going into uh, the offseason with predictions that they should be at somewhere probably between 140 and 150 million when the season starts. So there is a lot of money to spend and there are some good players out there. So let's just, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's just lip service that they're saying they're going to, and they're going to come back and say, well, we tried, but we couldn't convince somebody to come here. Nah, don't want to hear it. Uh, you can get guys to come here. You going to overpay. Maybe how, how much do you want? How much do you want to sign a free agent? Pay, pay him what he wants to come to your place and play. Um, are we cheering against the Washington Nationals right now? They're getting ready to play the St. Louis Cardinals in the NLCS. And ordinarily, we would say cheer against the Cardinals, absolutely. But should we cheer against the Nationals so that Anthony Rendon can maybe start his uh, surreptitious negotiations with the Reds a little sooner? <laughs> I am incapable of having a dog in this National fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I will go for the Nationals uh, only because uh, I lived in D.C. for a little while. I didn't have a team when I would live there, and because yeah. uh, two uh, former University of Virginia baseball players are on that team. So, I uh, I guess out of the National League, I was rooting for the Dodgers. I guess really, yeah, yeah. The team from Atlanta is pretty. They did some pretty bad PR things that made me actually kind of root for the Cardinals over them. I uh, couldn't root for the Cardinals over and. And then, you know, and then the Cardinals are terrible. The Cardinals are the Cardinals. And then, ah, God. <sighs> Let's just say I'll be rooting for the American League team in the World Series. Uh, even if the American League team is the New York Yankees? Why don't you just worst case scenario <laughs> me a little bit more, Chad? How about we just talk about the Cincinnati Reds? Let's just talk about the Cincinnati Reds. Let's do that. Um, a good way to sort of get into it. We've got a number of uh, viewer mail questions, so I thought that might be a good way to uh always love some listener mail some listener no uh these are actual letters as always from actual viewers (laughs) the first group of uh questions we're going to answer are from our uh guys at patreon.com slash redleg radio where you can go to support us if you want to Uh, i do have to i I thanked them on the podcast last week i want to mention them off the topic because we did it really late in the podcast jr davis latest uh latest uh supporter at patreon we thank jr davis what uh what position do you think he is well first i have to say that it's interesting that you feel bad about mentioning him at the end of the podcast that indicates that you don't think anybody listens to the end of the podcast i have no evidence that anyone listens i'm gonna say something at the end of the podcast today to see if or, anyone's listening or maybe that's just the podcast that i'm not on oh, they tune in at the beginning and it's like oh there's no jason this week and then off they go maybe that's um, it what's his name again uh, J.R. Davis. That sounds like a catcher to me. Thank you. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. So he's yeah. a catcher. Um, he's a cat. Yeah. A really good uh, slugging, probably left-handed hitting catcher. Joe Farsing, first question for Hash Brown Viewer Mail. Joe Farsing asks, now obviously this question, since this is the first one that we received, I'm going to answer it first, but uh, we generally couch these questions as they can be about the Reds, and almost all these questions are about the Cincinnati Reds. But uh, also, you have, you're have free on uh, either Patreon or at uh, Twitter.com slash RedLegRadio to ask questions about whatever dumb stuff you want to ask. Uh, Joe's question, and I don't, I'm not sure whether I understand the question as it's written, so let me uh, unpack it a little bit. 
five greatest American movies ever, rank them. Now, that would be a question in itself, but then he lists five movies. So I don't know if he's giving me his answer to his five greatest American movies or if he just wants me to rank those five movies. The five that he has are Godfather, Godfather Part Two, Unforgiven, L.A. Confidential, and No Country for Old Men. If I'm going to rank those, I'm going to probably go Godfather, Godfather Two, Unforgiven, No Country for Old Men, and then L.A. Confidential. But those would not be my five greatest American movies ever. So, I know uh, movies you kind of check out sometimes uh, on me, Jason. Do you have any thoughts on the greatest American movie? Oh, God, the greatest American movie. <sighs> that's so. That's such a big question. It is. Um, I mean, I would say if, in the, of those five, I would, uh, I would probably put L.A. Confidential above. I would probably put it third on that list. Mm, interesting, great movie. I would I, yeah, I would. I would flop it. Your your three and four would be my four and five. I think. Um, okay. Unforgiven. I, I'm not I'm not schooled enough to say like I've watched things and I have opinions, but I haven't watched as much as you've watched. And and I don't want to do the thing. I, I sometimes tell an anecdote in class to, to make a point about the validity of opinions and how more informed opinions are more valid. I, I'll talk about students who've read like five books coming in and telling me that so and so is the best book ever. And I'm like, how many books have you read? Right. And, just don't think I've seen enough movies to say what the greatest American movie is. Yeah, my uh, my son is right now um, reading for the first time uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, Ooh, it, that's a nice, that's it, a fun one. Oh, it's fantastic! But you know, he's he's yeah. blown away. You know, but that's not like he, he's comparing it to Harry Potter and you know things like that, really. Yeah. So, but it's uh, it's gotten him excited. He's been updating me. Um. So I would not say those are the five greatest American movies. I would say I would put one of those in my five greatest American movies. And I don't know that I've got five, but I'm going to list out a few. I would say maybe seven here that I think are in the conversation. Um, All right. My number one, and it's a kind of a cliched answer, um, but it's because I think it's true. It's Citizen Kane. Uh, I rewatched it again recently. Um, Citizen Kane is everything it's uh it's it's made out to be and orson Welles was a genius uh, an eccentric genius but a genius nonetheless i would have god the godfather in there i would have um i go back and forth between there's a couple of hitchcock movies that you got to have on there vertigo is commonly ranked near the top but uh, i like rear window as well with uh james stewart and grace kelly oh man great movie um I probably put uh, something like Raging Bull up there. I would say Singing in the Rain, a musical, up there. Uh, I would probably put uh, Pulp Fiction up there. So, uh, gosh, you know, there's a lot there in the conversation. Um, yikes. You know what always gets me about these kinds of lists? What gets you about these kinds of lists? Is they're always like... It's like the it's like the art equivalent of when people are like, well, baseball's not like it was back in the day. There, I, it always feels to me like they're heavily, heavily biased toward the past. And this, and given that I know there must be many more movies currently being produced than there were in the past, I always feel like they should be slanted more heavily toward the present. Perhaps, although I'll say this, I don't think there are necessarily more movies being produced uh, these days. The studio system back in the day used to crank them out. I guess that's fair. That's fair. But you're right. I mean, I've seen some very good movies uh, just this year. Um, 
Ad Astra was uh, was was fantastic that I saw. Um, what else have I seen this year? I'm scrolling down my list here, to see which good ones that uh, were came out recently. Um, hmm. The Farewell. Oh, that was outstanding. That's a that's new and starring uh, new movie star Aquafina. You like Aquafina? Jason? I am aware of her existence. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I agree. Um, I, my favorite movie of last year was Roma. Of the year before, it was Lady Bird. I think those are outstanding films. I think the best of what we have today, absolutely, can stack up to some of the older ones. But also, a lot of what we're getting today are uh, the Marvel stuff, which I I enjoy. But I don't think I'd put any of those up there with you know the best movies of all time. I think that's what the, where the studios have gone. So um, anyway, uh, that, that's my movie. Uh, you know, you know what I what I can tell you. This is what I, I this is my contribution, and I'm trying. I'm getting back now. I'm starting to to reengage with the culture and, and watch some movies and things. And it's been a little bit now. Um, it's been I think a little bit more than a year since I've seen this. But I can tell you the last movie I saw that I thought, wow, that was truly a great movie. Um, and that was that that was fairly contemporary and that was phantom thread which was the last movie that daniel day lewis did yes well anything with daniel day lewis is gonna be amazing well, yeah for sure but that movie was great i just it was i i felt like it was a really nice bit of of unconventional storytelling and i thought that the characters were were wonderfully developed and and interesting if extremely flawed people and i just i liked that i didn't feel feel like the movie was trying to leave me with anything other than here are some people trying to figure out life. Yeah. You know, there are very few people who could get away with making a movie like that. And uh, the director was Paul Thomas Anderson, who's just uh, incredible. Um, Boogie Nights, the master. Um, yeah. And, uh, put, give me Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day Lewis any day, but you're, you're right. It was, uh, it was a, they, they put me down in a world with people I didn't necessarily like in a, uh, you know, uh, a, a world, a setting that I knew nothing about and had no, really no interest in uh, that, that world coming in and still blew me out of the water. I agree. That's a fantastic movie. Five stars. So we got some book talk later. So that'll, Oh, okay. Good. It'll balance out. <laughs> we'll, we'll balance it out a little bit. Um, Brian Bowdy asks if an MLB team is going to move in the 2020s, which team is it? And where would they move? And then he asked the same thing about the 2030. So let's let's go with uh, Brian's first question. If a an MLB team is going to move in the 2020s, first of all, I can't believe we're talking about the 2020s. Which team is it, and where would they move? It's got to be Tampa, right? Yeah. I mean, the the easy answer is Tampa, and they would move to Montreal because that's what they talked about. But I think we're more likely to get a team in uh, Nashville or uh, or Las Vegas, Nash Vegas yeah. or Las Vegas. You know, um, interestingly, last. Summer, I had to go to Tampa for for work. I got training to teach a new class, and I, I've got I've got a wild suggestion. Having now driven past the, the Rays Stadium for where they can move to, are you ready for this? I'm ready. I would suggest that they move them to Tampa. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. Yes, because yes. it's one of those like you're like, how can attendance be so bad? And then you get out there yeah. and you realize how the city city is set up, and that it's practically the stadium is. For all intents and purposes, on an island, it's you know it's on a little peninsula that is hard to get to, mm-hmm. and it happened to just be near where I had to stay because where I was getting the training was out there, and it's like well no wonder they can't get anybody out there. Just build a stadium downtown and send them over there. I, w- I wonder if they would have some attendance if they put like a Miller Park with a retractable roof 
in downtown, you know, if they could. Uh, yeah, or literally, I mean, just a sandlot field in downtown. Right. It's got to draw better than that atrocious dome. Did you get to, a chance to go to a game there? No, unfortunately, I was down there during the All-Star break, so there were no games. I went to a game there back in, let's see, it was, uh, it would have been 2004. It's been that long ago, I guess. And uh, I've said this, I probably said it here on the podcast before. It was like going to a game at a shopping mall. I mean, it really was. It was a, yeah. a it was a monstrosity. I had a great time. They were playing the Moneyball A's at that time. And uh had a fabulous time just because, you know, I like seeing a new park. But it, the place is a dump back then. And, you know, here we are 15 years later. I can't imagine it's any better. So. Yeah. Uh, so if another MLB team, what about the the, the locations that I uh, suggested though as the next places to expand? If the Red, and I think the Reds could expand two more teams. Uh, my top the two Reds. are, <laughs> but what cities? Yeah, yeah, they're right. They're, uh, uh, you know, Nashville has recently entered the race. I think Montreal is the obvious candidate. Um, I really do think expansions coming. There's there started there have started to be sort of like rumblings about expansion for a few years. I think I think. A team in Las Vegas is just a matter of time. Um, I think Portland is a good shot at having a team eventually. Uh, I continue to think and, and will continue to, to to die on this hill that New York needs a third team. Mm, interesting. I mean, it's it's such a bigger market than anywhere else in the U.S. Like it, it and it's supported three teams before. True. Well, when the uh, city was much smaller. Yeah. So. You could move Tampa to Montreal or Tampa. Then you could add teams in Portland, Las Vegas, Nashville, and New York. Okay, I'm in. I think Vegas is a good – we've seen with the the NHL has expanded to Vegas, and it's been successful. I think especially with the with the gambling becoming less of a, a bugaboo, I could see a big league team being there. Um, I do like Montreal, uh, you know. Um, they just have to have that same cool logo they had when the Expos were there. Oh, absolutely. Um, with uh, and Nashville, I think is a fantastic. Nashville is kind of like uh, uh, it's what I expected Charlotte to turn into. It's just it keeps growing. And Nashville's got a great scene where they've got if they could put a baseball field down there too. They've got their uh, Bridgeport uh, Arena, the the hockey and basketball yeah. arena, and they've got the football field. And in between is is Broadway, and it's just the it's a party. I mean, it's crazy. I'm. I can't handle it anymore, so uh, <laughs> it's too much for for me. But it's awesome. Nashville's a great town. Um, in terms of projecting which MLB team is going to move, that's hard to say because you know uh, teams get thrown out every ten years or so, and it's always the team that's happening to be not doing well at that moment. Yeah. But teams come back around, so you know when's the last time a team moved? I mean, you know, seriously, <sighs> when was it? I mean. When was the last? I mean, it would be the Nationals from Montreal. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, we talk about it a lot. I don't think that's – I think it's way less realistic than a team uh, expansion. And I, yeah, the the only teams I can imagine moving at all are Tampa and Oakland. Yeah, they're the only one. I mean, the other two teams are both in the playoffs, but still aren't yeah. uh, particularly uh, drawing very well. But no, nobody else is going anywhere. I would suggest if you're going to expand, though, that we give major league franchises to. I would full and then give a major league team to Cincinnati. See what I did there? It's because they don't have a major league team. Now. I see. I see what you have. They got more of a major league team. That's true. Baltimore and Detroit. Um, all right, Matt Sheary asks at Patreon.com/slash Redleg Radio. 
I predict the Reds' Trevor Bauer will win 15 to 20 games next season. He'll bounce back big time. Do you think the Reds have a shot at anyone winning 20 games? Um, yeah, the Reds have a shot. They have. I could see. I could. I squint and see Bauer doing it. Although when he had his big year in 2018, I think he only won 12. So, you know, and, and that's when he was an ace. Um, yeah. I, I could see Castillo or uh, or Gray doing it, but there's going to be one big thing: Are the Reds going to win enough to get somebody to that level? Yeah, it's about the team record, and it's also just about the way starters are used now in innings pitched. I think, I think twenty wins is just a lot harder to come across now than it used to be, and it, it's not doesn't really have anything to do with the quality of the pitching. Yeah, it's exactly. just the way that you know. I looked it up the last, uh, last year, two or this year, I should say, two pitchers had twenty wins. Both of those guys happened to play for the uh, one hundred six yeah. win uh, Houston Astros. Uh, yeah, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, who are both very good, but I don't know that they're any better than uh, Sonny Gray, for example. You know, uh, they just happened to play for the Astros, who won yeah. ninety more games than the Reds won. If they were in the same division, they would have finished ninety games. Ninety more. Listen, you're not a math I, teacher. I, 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 back I challenge your math on that, Chad. <laughs> I've so taken I. math classes the, before. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, next well, door to a math teacher. That's more than I can say, but I'm in the a hall. In a home. Well, you're in a home with two kids that are taking math too, so I can't beat you on that. Um, the year before 2018, two pitchers had won 20 games that year as well, and it was uh, Blake Snell who had that insane year for Tampa, yeah. a 90-win Tampa team, and then Corey Kluber. So, for, let's you start with the uh, the premise that it's very difficult for anyone to get 20 wins unless you're like crazy good on a pretty good team. Um, but how about this? Yeah. Yeah. I think more, I think that, I think that really 15 wins is, is what 15 20 is the, wins is used the new to 20. Be. Uh, but if you had to put the pitchers, the Reds yeah. have in order of who is most likely to get 20 wins, who's your top three? Uh, Castillo, Gray, Probably Bauer, I guess, because I don't, I don't see anybody else getting 20 other than maybe Jose Peraza. I mean, that's the only one I can think. Wait a minute. I may be confused since the season ended. <laughs> Jose Peraza. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things that it's – yeah. I mean, I think I think all three of those guys are – the remaining guys that we're thinking of are, are all kind of, you know, in yeah, a good I'm situation. Not, I'm not sure even in the best case guys. scenario that Bauer could get. You know, well, he says Bauer, Matt did say Bauer will win 15 to 20. So I guess I kind of misread that uh, that part. I, I think he could win 15. Yeah. I don't, do I think it's likely? Probably not, but I think he could. Uh, I think that Gray and, and Castillo absolutely could win 15 to 20. It's just, just tough. Now, Nathan Connor has a question here, and it's kind of a uh, – I'll kind of try to minimize it a little bit because it's a little bit of a long question, but it's a good one. Nathan asks – Third order winning percentage. And some of you have heard of what this third order winning percentage is. Baseball prospectus. They have, uh, I check it every once in a while just because it's fun to watch. This is kind of like us talking about the uh, run differential and Pythagorean record. But the third order winning. Per- right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah like uh, and the way he puts it is uh, it presents a team's winning percentage based on underlying statistics like adjusted equivalent runs scored and allowed and adjust them for quality of opponents. So it's basically what should the team have, what should their winning percentage be in a. Yeah, you know, based on how they've played. 
Um, Nathan says, Walt Jockety got promoted out of making baseball decisions in December 2016 to make way for Dick Williams. The 2016 Reds had a third-order win percentage of 380. Then after uh, Dick Williams took took over, their winning percentages, third-order win percentages, have been 443, 437, and 534. It was 534 this season. And that 534, which is, was only uh, one one-hundredth of a percent behind the Brewers. He said, let's not look to the Braves as a comparison point. Albies and Acuna were already in the Braves system. Um, and the Reds in 2013 and 14, the Reds weren't so fortunate three years ago. So you can't pin that on Williams and, and Crawl, he says. But anyway, uh, the Williams-Crawl regime's furious roster churn and climbing third-order win percentage is actually an indication that the Reds are well on their way to laying the foundation of a solid roster base. And that's even before considering our big winter signings coming this December, exclamation point. What say you, asks Nathan. And then he says the thing that a lot of you are thinking, but metrics like this may seem like loser stats. And it's really teams that are losing are the only ones that are really citing these things. But oftentimes they foretell things to come in actual wins and losses. And I think that uh, Nathan is right in the sense that you and I have something you and I have talked about all year long, which is that this team was better than their record. Uh, they, yeah. I, they really were. I mean, I think every indication is that they were better than their record. And so uh, – what do you think about Nathan saying that? Look, here's proof that they're improving yeah. because of that. And yeah, I, I agree. And you know, I think I don't know the third order win percentage off the top of my head, but I've got run differential pulled up right now. And you take a team like, say, the Brewers. You know, you say that it's really it's only fans of teams with losing records at cite these, but the internal, uh, you know, the, the internal bits of the organization, they're, those guys are aware of these. And the fact that the Brewers only outscored their opponents by three runs this year. Their front office knows that they've got some work to do. They, they know that they can't expect to, to come close to 90 wins again next year with that kind of a run differential. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that I think front offices are, are definitely aware of that and paying attention. And I do think I've said this in multiple places, and I will continue to say it, that the Reds are a very good candidate next year, especially after a couple of offseason signings to be a team well, where everybody's like, well, we knew they'd be better, but we didn't know they'd be this much better. Because realistically, they probably should have won. They probably should have yeah. been 500-ish this year. You know, depends on if you're going by run differential or third order. They're 500-ish, either a little below or a little bu- above 500. And then you add, right. and by a little, I mean a game or two. And then you add, through free agent signing, say another eight to 10 wins. And all of a sudden you're talking about a, a team that's, you know, getting comfortably into the nineties in terms of its wins. And if you get a little bit of, of reverse luck, you know, you get a little bit of that, Hey, things actually went how they were supposed to this year. Then it's not Thanks. hard to imagine them. I mean, in the losses you're talking about, right? I'm, that's yeah, I'm I mean, not I think irrational. That's just what the numbers in those terms that the Reds can't use this as a PR point. Hey, we really had we really had a five thirty four third order win percentage, yeah. but internally they can say, okay, look, it was a bad season, but yeah, it's not as bad as Dotson wants to make it out to be, kind of. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure they're really everything all is the bad PR on me right now, and that's okay. I love I still love them. I'm still going to root for them. Um, I like them better than the Bengals. Yeah, Nathan, we're not going to talk about the Bengals. Um, we're we're going to wait until next week when we start our, our Bengals podcast. Bengal Nation Radio. <laughs> so, sorry, this is off topic, and this is entirely just me staring at something, but I'm just, I saw this, and I'm just, I, oh, I don't know any good, word if, other If than you literally bum-fuzzled. didn't know any other word other than um, bumfuzzle, that's a pretty good first word to learn. 
So, all right, this is just quiz time for for Chad and, and any and any listeners. And I want you to just guess for me by how many runs were the Detroit Tigers outscored this year? It's a trick question. They outscored their opponents by four runs. Oh. Um, Incorrect. Thirty-five. They were outscored by 333 runs. Oh, that is that is bad. So so yeah, they their fans are looking at that and they're like we were even worse than our record. Even though we were awful. Yikes. And they when I first became a so a, a baseball fan, the Tigers were kind of like my second team. Because Sparky was their manager yeah. at the time, you know, and I knew he'd been with the Reds, even though I didn't remember him with the Reds. And uh, and I loved Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker. Yeah. Love those guys. Um, I, I don't really follow them that closely anymore, yeah. but oh, I'm glad now. Yikes! Forty-seven and one hundred and fourteen, and that yes. kind of puts a shiny a shine on it. <laughs> Mercy. Anywho, uh, Nathan Connor had another Any, question: anyway. Who's the better bets? Mookie Betts or Dickie Betts? Dickie Betts, of course, uh, guitarist, one of the founding members of the Allman Brothers Band. What do you think? Who's the better, Mookie Betts or Dickie Betts? Well, I mean, it really depends on if we can time travel here, because Dickie Betts is about 7,000 years old at this point. Uh, so I'm going to say Mookie Betts if we're going today, if if we're time traveling back to... Uh, about 1968, I might I might take Mr. Dickie Richard Betts. Dickie Betts was ranked uh, number 61 on uh, Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. It's true. Do we think do we think that Mookie Betts is going to be number 61 on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest the fact of the baseball players is, named Mookie who cares? List? Because we need Mookie Betts to be one of the 61 greatest players in you know 2020. I would say we need him to be one of the yeah. 11 greatest um, players. And I think there's a good chance he could be. Uh, you know, that whole Mookie Betts question is a tough one that we've dealt with. We've gone over and over because it's just one year you'd have him unless you can re- can resign him. But, you know, yeah, I favorably remember uh, Shinsu Chu's one year here with the Reds. I can't imagine what having Mookie Betts for a year would be like. Oh, you know, we'd God. be talking about it forever. We'd be like Kevin Mitchell. We'd be talking about it for the rest of our lives probably. Even for one year. Is it, is it going to happen? Be, yeah. No, the answer is yes. I don't know. I think that really, frankly, all depends on yep. who gives the Red yep. Sox the best I hope package that. for Mookie. He's, he's going somewhere. And, you know, what's interesting to me is that there are so many high-profile players who are rumored to be going a variety, to be on the market. And I'm sure that all of them won't move, but there are, going to be some really good players who are going to be playing out the final year or two of their contract with someone other than who they came up with. Um, and if the Reds don't land at least one of those guys, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. Oh, they've got to. They have, I mean, they have to. They just have to. So let it be Mookie. Yeah. Yes. I'll take a year of yes. Mookie. I'll yeah. give up a lot for him, too. Um, someone asked, you know, who would you give up for him, major or minor leagues? And I was like, yeah, yeah, anybody. <laughs> you know, I mean yes. – uh, He's that good. So, oh, he looks so good. Especially if you could put him in, in center field. Yeah. And shift Senzel to second 
and Sangrin Dahl. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, that's a pretty good start. That's a pretty good start. Hooper Powell asks us, seeing that many arms in the league today can touch 100 miles per hour, would the Reds even consider moving Hunter Green back to shortstop? Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is probably no. Um, I doubt it. He's not played shortstop since high school. I, yeah, I wish they had developed him as a two-way player. Um, or at least, it, uh, you know, I, I don't know, let him hit a little bit more or something. Because it just... Yeah, no, that's exactly what... <sighs> you I, know, pitchers sort of, and injuries. Similar to what I was going to say was that, no, I don't see them moving him back to shortstop. His arm is still so live, uh, unless his arm just dies tomorrow or falls off or something. It doesn't make any sense, but um, at this point, but I would love yeah. to see them give him opportunities to be a DH to on day, on his days off, um, give him opportunities to hit because uh, you know again options. We've seen what Michael Lorenzen can do, and it's you know he's not a superstar, but he can help the Reds in different ways, and uh, and yeah, if you, if you if you let him hit consistently, work on his hitting as well as his pitching. Then yeah, if he does flame out as a pitcher, at least you got some other option to at least try. So I don't, I don't see the downside to it. The Reds are, I started to say the Reds are smarter than me about this stuff, but I don't know that we've seen in the past enough to, to make that statement. But yeah, I don't see it happening. His other question, I'm going to ask you to answer this one, Jason uh, Hooper asks, who would you rather have as a house guest, Snoop Dogg or Willie Nelson? Hmm. I don't know. I think they were both very interesting house guests. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I can pick between those two. I can, I can see the pros and cons of both. Since this is going to be released to the public. Because I love the state where uh, those two guys, they, they like a certain substance. And uh, in the state where I live, it, that's still an, an Ill- illegal substance. And um, if, for those of you that know what my day job is, I think I'm just going to have to say neither. If we're hanging out in Aspen, <laughs> uh, Colorado, at my uh, ski home, ski my home on a, on a ski slope. I don't know what they're what it's called. You tell me, I ski. Last time I went skiing, I quit after 30 minutes and went to the lodge to watch the NCAA basketball tournament, making my wife eternally angry with me. Um, but if I were out there in Colorado and they wanted to come over and hang out, I'd, I'd invite them both. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go in Snoop. Yeah. 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 I just don't know. I'd, wow. you know. We really talked about that far longer than we should have. Good question, yeah. Hooper. Kyle Kapler. Kyle Kapler has a couple of questions <laughs> here. We'll, uh, Patreon, then we'll move into some of our, tw- our Twitter questions. Kyle's first question is top five trade chips for the Reds regardless of minors or majors and why who are the top five trade chips for the reds okay are we saying who are the five players who would bring the most in return or who are the five players most are, likely uh, to be traded for a substantial different return? questions i'm gonna to say top i would I, I read that as top five yeah. trade assets so really the top five most valuable players on the trade market uh, is it okay? Well, is that's it? yeah. Easy. I want to I hear what you say. I, I think I, I know who number one is. Yeah, Gino's got to be number one with that contract, and as long it's as he's Gino. signed, and the fact that he's you know really good. Yeah. yeah. 
two yes, is Castillo. Um, three, four are close to me. It's probably Senzel and Gray. They're they're close. I would say. Um, five. Thinking for a second. Uh, might be you know it's, it would be whoever whoever they would value as sort of the, the top rated prospect. Maybe Jonathan India. Maybe Tyler Stevenson. I don't think there's anybody else I can think of on the MLB roster who is unless unless I'm forgetting somebody obvious. Um, maybe Amir Garrett, but I think a good prospect is going to bring more than a, from a good now, relief we might pitcher. Say Hunter Green is in that top five, right? We he's might, but now. not currently. While he's um, yeah. So if he comes back healthy, I think he's in that on that top five list. I don't. Know, it's probably a an indictment of the Reds' uh, drafting and development strategy. There's really no, you know, I love Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India has his, uh, you know, admirers and um, has an opportunity to be a decent player. And, you know, Nick Lodolo that they just uh, drafted in the first round is a, a good looking young prospect. But the fact that there's not a, a slam yeah. dunk minor league guy that you would consider in the top five trade chips for the Reds, it kind of says something. I mean, it says they've traded away some guys too, but. Uh, yeah, they've traded away some guys. They've graduated some guys. Um, you know, if if we were doing this list, say, a couple of years ago, yeah. Nixon Zell would have been right at the top of it. Um, you know, some, some other pitchers probably would have been would have been pretty high on Jeremy the list. Jeremy Lamb. Taylor Trammell would have been high on the list. So Exactly. John Lamb. It wasn't even Jeremy. Who? Who's Jeremy Lamb? That's a guy. Remember John Lamb? He looked like he was on the Dukes of Hazard. John Lamb and his... Oh, man. Remember his, uh, his yellow Camaro he drove? That was great. Jeremy Lamb uh, is a basketball dude. player. Yes, there you go. Uh, plays for the uh, Indiana Pacers. I should know that. So you're an Indiana boy. You should have known that. <laughs> um, uh, I don't follow the basketball. Yeah, I'm about to give anymore. up on basketball, too, uh, except for the college basketball. You know, you know what I think about that. What about the top, let's say, top three realistic trade chips for the Reds that could realistically be dealt this offseason? Okay, that's easier. Um, I think Iglesias is a good candidate yeah. to be moved. Rysel Iglesias, I should say. Um, I think Jonathan yes. India is a good candidate to be moved. And either Lodolo or, or, or Tyler Stevenson. That's, I, I think chips that are likely to get moved are, are mostly minor league chips, mostly because I don't think they have Anyone on the major... Actually, you know what? I will take that back. If, and this is a big if, they decide that they are going to pick up, like sign an, a, another starting pitcher, then I think Tyler Malley becomes mm, a good yeah. candidate I, to I, be He pitched. wasn't one that I thought uh, could be. Yeah. He's not, I don't think he should be. I, I, think, I think he's not valued as highly as he should be. I but, think any of those minor league guys, I, I, I think every one of them traded. could be gone. Um, so you, it just depends on how you rank them. Uh, in terms of guys on the major league roster that I think have a decent chance of being moved, I think you talk Rizal Iglesias and I think Jesse Winker's probably in there as well. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good point. I, Kyle I Kapler, his, uh, his second question here is, uh, what's the best dad joke? He said, he said, Kyle says his is the Reds need 2020 vision this off season. That's a, that's a dad joke. All right. Now, now you're a dad, Jason, do you, 
I am, and my kids groan am, so all the time you. at my ridiculous jokes. But now, when when I was thinking about this, I had a hard time really coming up with it's true, yeah, you know, the best dad joke because they're all so bad. Do you have one in mind uh, by any chance? Well, I mean, I have a personal favorite that goes back to my oh, own here. dad that I now use to irritate my children. Well, they will say, as you know, children are want to do, they will make some declaration about something I'm supposed to provide to them. And they'll say something like, I'm thirsty. And I will reply with, I'm <laughs> Friday. I've exact same Saturday, one. Love it. Sunday. Um, what about this? Yeah. you got to go with the timeless classics. It's it's not the jokes that are funny. It's how frequently you use Actually, them, even like, though you I know that seven you get their back. Something. Someone bought me this huge book of, of jokes, you know, just a joke book. And it was like a 400-page book. It was crazy. Paperback book of jokes. And, and I read that in there, and that is one of the ones that I, I for some reason, has been in my head forever. So, yeah, I've used that one. I also like, you know, I'm thirsty, and you, uh, and you say, oh, hi, thirsty. I'm dad. That's a classic one. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's cool. Here's the one that my kids got so angry with yeah. me about. You know, I've mentioned that uh, last summer, not this past summer, but, but, but last year, 2018, we took a big family trip to, uh, to Italy. And our first stop in Italy was, uh, was Rome. You know, you've heard of this city uh, in Italy, classic uh, European capital. Y- yes, uh, some things have happened Heard of there. Rome, yes. And uh, we were in Rome, I think, for four days. And my kids got so sick because every time they asked a question or something, I, was always, I said every, every time, well, went in Rome. And they got so upset with me about that. So, and, which, and, and they should have. So, when in Rome, uh, then I tried it when in Florence, and it didn't go over as well. Well, actually, didn't go over well in Rome either. Um, this next one's not a dad joke, but I'm going to tell you my favorite joke of all time. Do you want to hear it? My favorite uh, joke of, of all time. Of course. So, uh, a grasshopper walks into a bar. The bartender looks at him and says, Hey, we got a drink named after you. The grasshopper looks at him and says, you got a drink named Steve? <laughs> See, that's my kind of humor right there. <laughs> classic, classic humor. So anyway, uh, those are the dad jokes. You can feel free to tweet your favorite dad jokes to us at Red Leg Radio. That's where the next group of questions is going to come from. Twitter.com slash Red Leg Radio. And the first question comes from Doug Gray at DougDirt24. He asks... That guy can't stand that guy. Oh, not that guy. Uh, Doug Gray of Red Leg Nation. You've heard of Red Leg Nation and Reds Minor Leagues. He asks, what makes Red Leg Nation Radio the world's most dangerous podcast? What makes Red Leg Nation the world's most dangerous podcast? Well, I want to hear what your answer is. I mean, I think I know the answer to this. I mean, this is, and it's only really true when I'm on can only speak to the episodes that I'm invited to appear on. But when I'm here, just listening, you can end up, one, going <laughs> to jail, and right. two, being that assigned dangerous. homework. Neither way. Neither yeah. option is How much really more dangerous option. can you get? Well, I guess I'd prefer homework. At least you get to do it at home. <laughs> That's a good yeah, point. Yep. That's you haven't done point. my assignments. Uh, you haven't done my assignments. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking something to the effect of the fact that, you know, you got to spend an hour listening to us talk about the Reds, and that is dangerous for your mental health. 
but uh, but I like your answer a little bit better. Those are those are neither good options. So good call. Thank you for that question, Doug Dirt. Jeff Carr, he's the host of the Locked On Reds podcast. Jeff asks, and this is a question that's uh, related to a, a movie that's out right now, but it's not related to the movie. So um, <laughs> it's an interesting question. So which version of the Joker would make the best closer for the Reds? Joaquin Phoenix, Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson, or Jared Leto? Now, I'm going to say, first of all, Jared Leto, I saw that movie, um, Suicide Squad, I guess. Was he in that? Is that what he was in? And that was a garbage movie, and Jared Leto was a garbage joker. So he is the J.J. Hoover of this group. Yeah, I've not seen that movie because it didn't look like like it's the kind awful. of movie I needed to subject myself to. Uh, Phoenix's portrayal is good, but I think you're probably right now. We got to go with, it's between Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson. Um, just because Ledger won a, I would tend I to agree. What's going to happen with the Phoenix's portrayal? But Ledger did did win a uh, an Oscar for his portrayal of the Joker, and Jack Nicholson, of course, he's kind of the classic Joker for a lot of people, and uh, he's also a legendary actor. So which would make the best closer? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to answer. I don't know. I don't... I'm gonna I'm gonna say Nicholson because he is uh you know, he's the best of actor of the group. Yeah. That's kind of the route that I go. I yeah, and 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 frankly I like of I haven't seen all of the Batman movies because frankly there are too many. Um, and too many of them are bad. But among the ones I have seen, which includes most of the ones that people think are good, I think the first one is the best. The first one in terms of the uh, Adam West one? The The, first Tim Burton, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the Jack Nicholson one is what I'm... Yeah. I think that's the best of all of the Batman movies. And if you haven't seen it for a while, I recommend you go back and look at it. I I rewatched it, like, I, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Just, you know, how you get a wild hair every once in a while. And, and I was surprised at how well it holds up. It feels, what I liked about it was that it really, it felt like a comic book in movie form. Which I think, I think some of the comic book movies try to take themselves a little bit too seriously. And it takes some of the fun you know, out of it. I heard someone else say not too long ago um, that you need to revisit, cause revisit, revisit that one. Easy for me to say, because it does hold up very well. And I think what you're trying to, or what you did say, is an interesting way to think about that movie, which is that, uh, you know, the original Adam West uh, that was just campy and it was comic booky, I guess, but it was over the top. Um, sometimes they take themselves too seriously. That was one that took itself seriously. It was kind of dark, but it also had these elements that it was kind of like yeah. a comic book. I think that's a good way to think about it. So we're gonna go with Jack Nicholson, right? Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, Next question comes from Vander at Vander 1017. Would you be satisfied? First of all, hash Brown viewer mail. Would you be satisfied if the Reds chose to upgrade only one position on the offense? For example, Grindall. But instead of getting Rendon, they doubled down on the pitching staff and signed Garrett Cole. The upgrade over Molly, he says, would be substantial and war is war. Would you be satisfied if they chose to upgrade only one position on offense? And uh, but but also signed Garrett Cole. That's a good question. Um, do you have? Um, uh, maybe yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I'm not sure what my answer is to be honest with you. I'm sure what my answer is. 
if you're talking versus my random, answer is no. just, just versus upgrading somewhere. And it's, it's, it's no, and here is why. Garrett Cole is great. You will get no argument from me, okay? However, he's a pitcher. And on any pitcher, the error bars for that performance are enormous. He is much more likely than a position player to walk onto the field in spring training and all of a sudden, whoops, it's like Ryan Madsen, and we don't hear from him again until he hits Joey Votto in the knee. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. If... So, I, you know, there, there is some quality pitching in the organization, um, and, but there, what there is a serious lack of is quality hitting, which is more reliable, and that's the place they need to upgrade. And, you know, I'm not, I mean, to some extent, war is war, but also we suck at measuring pitchers right now, and that's, that's really important for people to understand is that, that pitching war is, is not a great stat, no matter what measurement you use. Whereas hitting war, or especially, frankly, a measure like W runs created plus, because hitting war takes into account defense, which we also are bad at measuring. But W runs created plus is a good stat. And you can look at that and be confident of the type of player you're getting, especially relative to the other players at his position. Whereas with pitching, I mean... Who knows? Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that. I think I love the way Vander's thinking here. It's an interesting uh, thought experiment here. If the Reds got y- y- the the upgrades they had were Yasmani Grandal and Garrett Cole, okay, I'm going to be happy if that happens. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to complain about that. But if you're asking me, they get Gr- Grandal, and then the second guy that they're able to sign is either Rendon or Cole, I go Rendon, yes, every every single time. Yeah, I mean, I'll be frank. I think that Rendon is is likely to be more of an upgrade at second base than Cole is uh, over yeah. Tyler Malley. Just because I think Malley is about average, and I think that second base for the Reds right now is replacement level, and so and 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 I think yeah. that Rendon yeah, and Cole both, are yeah. like equally yeah, they're both talented. huge upgrades. I think they're both help the team, but I I, I like Rendon in that lineup. I yeah. think it helps the Reds a little more. So. Uh, I've got a, a surprise for you here, Jason. Are you ready for this? Before we began, I mentioned to uh, I'm never my ready. wife that we had a question about dad jokes. And I was trying to think, and I asked my son what he thought. Well, my wife <laughs> just sent me a text as we're sitting here, and she's evidently scoured through my father's Facebook feed. Literally my father. <laughs> scoured through his Facebook Ooh. feed. And... Uh, and uh, sent me a couple of uh, of little literal jokes posted on Facebook by my dad. So here we go. The first one: Why did the tomato get embarrassed? Because it saw salad dressing. This is this is my dad, who is a a fine man, a great man, and taught me many things. But he is uh, <laughs> this is the, these are the things he puts on Facebook. Why did the tomato get embarrassed? Because it saw salad dressing. The next one was. If you see a robbery at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? Oh my gosh. You see you see why I am who I am now, don't you? The picture is starting to become clearer. It's all become <laughs> Oh, thanks dad. Yikes. All right, uh, next question. Any other comments about that Jace before we move on? <laughs> I have no, I have no comments about that. WV Redlegs, who I have to say has the best Twitter handle, 
on all of Twitter.com. WB Redlegs asks, asks, he's at WV Meat Slinger. Can, can we say that on a family podcast? Yeah, okay, there we go. Well, he uh, likes the barbecue, so Exactly, yes. yes. So his question we'll is, um, has yeah. Chad watched the Peanut Butter Falcon? Hashtag viewer mail. I thought it was really good. The Peanut Butter Falcon. Have you heard of the Peanut Butter Falcon, first of all? It's an under-the-radar no uh, film starring uh, Shia LaBeouf, John Hawks, who uh, was in uh, has had a great career, uh, nominated for an Oscar. I don't know that he don't know if he won it or not, but nominated for an Oscar, I think, for that movie with uh, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Winter's Bone. Uh, he was on Deadwood and on uh, that movie with the on, or the show on HBO with the guy Eastbound and Down. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church in Tombstone, Bruce Dern. Anyway, it gets great reviews. I have not seen it yet, but it's kind of on my list. It's on my watch list. If you go to uh, Letterboxd and follow me on there, you'll see that it's on my watch list. Here's the here's the description. 2019 movie, The Peanut Butter Falcon, a down-on-his-luck crab fisherman, embarks on a journey to get a young man with Down syndrome to a professional wrestling school in rural North Carolina and away from the retirement home where he's lived for the past two and a half years. Tell me that doesn't sound like the greatest movie ever. Yeah, well, it gets good reviews. It gets, uh, Sounds like you know, a good movie. Are, are fantastic, and uh, I have not seen it yet, but it's on my list. So I'm glad to hear that uh, that the Meat Slinger thought that was a uh, a good movie. Um, and, and I will see it, and I'll let you know once I see it. Uh, now, I'm going to ask you for an editorial decision here, Jason. The next question is from Coop, at Uh-oh. Oh No Coop. Coop, of course, the host of the Ooh. always entertaining Hunt for Reds October podcast that I always recommend you don't listen to with your kids in the car, but um, certainly entertaining. Should we answer this question from Coop? Well, you've let people know that he exists and what his Twitter handle true. is. So really, most say, if you don't want to hear this, it's not, uh, I would not say this is question is... Uh, is not safe for work, but um, it's indelicate. So if, you, <laughs> if you're it's, extremely yeah, sensitive, well, I... maybe just uh, hit the mute button or, or fast forward here for uh, for 20 seconds. Um, I, I, I don't know. This is not going to offend anybody, but it's a classic coop question. It is hashtag viewer mail. In how many states have you clogged a toilet? I'm up to seven, he says. <laughs> if you want to know about coop's sense of humor, that's that, encapsulates it pretty well. In how many states have you clogged a toilet? He's up to seven. Right, let me ask you, are, are you above or below seven, Jason? <laughs> far, far. Uh, below. Far. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually up to 12 now. <laughs> yeah, I am. So we'll talk about that later. How are uh, you? Coop, thank you for your question. Uh, we've now had questions from the host of the Hunt for Reds October podcast and the Locked on Reds podcast. So good. They are, but I still encourage really, you to go listen to both for of those podcasts. Fine, uh, fine entertainment for the Reds offseason. And I presume they're both going uh, can continue going strong during the offseason. We'll see. Roger Fletcher at rfletcher247. So his Twitter handle, at rfletcher247, tells you that if you if you follow him on Twitter, you're going to get Roger Fletcher 24-7. That seems like a pretty good benefit. Well, that's a good point. Well, the question depends is, on what you think. I've heard the Reds say they're going all in next year for the postseason. In your opinion, just what do you think that will consist of? Spend money and and trade for somebody. 
I mean, it, it, that's as simple as you can put it, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think there should be two legit free agent signings and a trade. There's so many different ways they can go about. But what? But but what I want to see is we get to uh, opening day next year, and we have a team where we are not just kind of saying, "Well, if this goes right and this goes right, this is a playoff team." It's a team that we're confident about, and it's been a long time. It's probably been since what 2013 that we've had a team that we were confident about, right? Nick Howard. Yeah. At Nick Howard. And this is not the Nick Howard that the Reds drafted in the first round out of the University of Virginia. This is actually my favorite Nick Howard. Um, Nick's a good guy. He asks, other than your own, have you read any good baseball-related books lately? And, of course, each of us have uh, participated in the uh, publishing of baseball-related books. Um, I'm going to expand this a little bit, but have you read any good baseball-related books lately? Jason, have you read any good baseball-related books lately? I have not, and I will. I will divulge. I will divulge a, a, a dirty secret here, so to speak, at least for a for a baseball podcast. I don't really read that many baseball books. Really? I don't. I I follow baseball rapidly all season long. I read lots of articles about baseball. Yeah. I books are something else for I me. Do read I, do, so, I do other things. I'm just kind of looking reading. at my. I track at Goodreads, you know. Um, and uh, during the six months of yeah. the baseball season, I read very little in terms of books. I'm not like Jason. Uh, I'm going to expand to ask about other books other than baseball books. But um, I was looking to see which books I've read in 2019, and there are no no baseball books. There is a uh, a golf book, The Mysterious Montague, the true tale of uh, Hollywood golf and armed robbery, which is a good book by uh, Lee Montville. Um I read Shea Serrano's Basketball and Other Things. That was very good. Uh, I read a biography by David Marinus of uh, Vince Lombardi. What was that all about? It was good, though. Um, what's the last baseball book I read? Man. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm sitting here trying to think of what the last... It's, it's entirely possible okay, that the I last baseball you, uh, book I read is yours. You read my book? The Big 50! The Men and Moments That Made the... Cincinnati Reds. Uh, uh, thank you. I appreciate. I read your thank book. You Chad for saying that. Um, I'm going down my list here, and it's been a while. Oh, the last one I read. Um, it, see, I, the only really type of baseball books that I read, other than like a Moneyball, I read Moneyball, but I do enjoy a good, you know, in-depth baseball biography. The last one I read, it appears, was uh, Sandy Koufax, A Lefty's Legacy by Jane Levy. I rated that two stars out of five. Did not enjoy it. Did not enjoy it at all. Um, before that, Stan Musial by George Vesey. Four stars out of five. That was a good one. Stan Musial in American Life. That was a pretty good one. I know he was a I know he was a cardinal. That was a good I've read a, just about every, you know, popular um baseball biography that's been out over the last twenty years or so. Um but I, I do I do have one thing on the topic of baseball books. I have this saved in a note on my phone so that I don't forget about it. Um, I am a big Ann Patchett fan, and she has a new novel out. And I was reading an interview with her, and she also owns a bookstore and so likes to talk about other people's books. But apparently, there is a book by Gish Jen coming out next year called The Resistors that is about baseball. It'll be a novel, oh, really? and she says it is 
And so that is one that's on my okay. list of things I will be reading when um, it comes out. Now, I want to expand that a little bit because uh, this is a conversation I like having to you just because it gives me some ideas of things to read. Nick asks about baseball-related books. Um, the last really good baseball-related book I read was Park Ball 4, when I read reread that for the 10th time last year. Um, but what about, uh, you know, good books that you've read, just any kind of book recently? What's the last, like, really good book that you read? Well, I've, I've been on a good run lately. I just finished, um, I was a little bit late to the party on this, but I just finished The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Um, and if people have not checked that out, they should. That's a wonderful book. Um, it's kind of an alternate history, vaguely kind of sci-fi sort of thing that imagines the Underground Railroad as a literal railroad. Hmm. Um, and it, just, it was just an amazing, amazing told story. Just really well done. Um, I've got, I revisited Saul Bellow for the first time since college. I kind of had been meaning to, uh, read a book called Herzog that I thought was great. It's that's under the not for everybody classification though, because pretty much everybody. In so the it's book a biography is thoroughly of unlikable, manager, but, uh, is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, but perhaps it could be. Uh, and then the only other book that I've read recently that I would mention in, in that I, I read it for recently and for non-teaching purposes um, is, and I might have said this last time I was on the podcast, I can't remember, but I read a book called The Storyteller by Pierre Jarawan, which was just amazing. It's about a uh, a German-Palestinian, or German-Lebanese, sorry, a German-Lebanese kid who was born in Germany, but his parents are from Lebanon and he has this sort of like stuck between two worlds kind of battle. And there's some parent stuff in there too. It's, it, it was really, that was a really, uh, that know, might uh, be the I'm best just looking book at the I've books I've read in year. 2019. And there's two, there are two that kind of stand out to me and both are books that I should have gotten to many, many moons ago. But the two best books I have read this year are, uh, the remains of the day, Kazuo Ishiguro, it oh man, that is such a wonderful me. book. It blew me away. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, would recommend that to anyone. The other one, of course, and I think we might, you and I have talked about this one, was I did read uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh, 100 Years of Solitude, finally. My brother been after me for years to read that. And uh, yes. oh man, yes. just amazing. So, um, so anyway, those are the, probably the two best books that I've read this year, but neither of those are, are newer. So, um, all right, there we go. Books. You like books, Jason? Books. I love some books. I'll talk about books all day long. Maybe a Patreon episode. Uh, Pete Wills at Petro's Wills asks, hash brown viewer mail, who, do you, who did you predict to win the ALCS and NLCS going into the playoffs, and who do you think will win it moving forward? I like this question because it is, is something, a point that I wanted to make. And so I'll, I'll, I predicted in the NLCS, I predicted the Dodgers and Braves because the Dodgers and Braves have been the best teams in baseball or in the National League all season long. Um, and neither of them are in the NLCS. So I guess I'll pick the Nationals going forward in the National League. But the, the point about that is to say that you just got to get in the tournament, man. Just get, just get in this postseason tournament and you've got a shot, right? Yeah. 
You really do. And people are like, well, this isn't a World Series winning team. And it's like, well, no, really anybody is a World Series winning team. Like, once you get into the playoffs, you get to 90 wins and you're a World the Series Nationals winning team. The also if, ran if for most of the way. season. They snuck their way in with a great uh, end of the year. Yep. And now they got a real shot at being in the World Series. In the American League, I, you know, I, I expected it to be the Astros and the, uh, and the Yankees. And uh, when I came in here to start recording, it was the Astros uh, leading. And so I'm going to try to pull that up now to see if that game's over yet. And it is over. So the Astros have moved on uh, with a 6-1 victory over Houston. So it's the Astros and Yankees who I expected. Um, and I think I'd go with uh, – I'm, I'm pulling for the Yankees. I'm sorry, Red Leg Nation. Yeah. I mean, now now that the Dodgers are out, I would say the I would say the Astros are probably my favorite. I, I think they're the I they're think not they're my the favorite team, but I think they team. are the best team. And so yeah, if I'm gonna, I guess, who do you think will win it moving forward? I'm always gonna have to pick the the team that I think's the best team. I think Houston is clearly the best team. But am I gonna bet the ranch? Nope, because we we've we've seen it. So they almost lost to the Tampa Bay Rays. So yeah. Um, but anyway, that's the point I wanted to make was that man, if you can just get in that tournament. The postseason tournament. Just sneak in. You got a shot. Sneak. Uh -huh. hmm. Sneak on in. Mr. Saturday Night asks, do you have any recommendations on books about Red's history to read during the offseason? Hash Brown Beer Mill. Nope. Nope. We don't know anything you about any Red's read history one recently. <laughs> the Big 50. I don't know what you're talking about. That made the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, if you haven't read it, listen, go read it. It's, oh. it's, I'm biased. It is, it is a worthwhile for... read, listeners. <laughs> I will you. You, you endorse this thing that Chad you made. Endorse it, but um, listen, I'm completely biased. But uh, it's if you're looking for a book about Reds history, it's a good sort of overview of a lot of different things in Red's history, and it's set up in these uh, short little essays that you can kind of just dip in and out of. It's a it's an easy read, and Chris Garber is a good author, and so um, he uh, he carried a lot of weight. Uh, Phil Razor asks, at PSR 1973, his question for viewer mail is, is it too late to get a question in for viewer mail tonight? <laughs> for, for Philip, the answer is yes. yes. So... Um, I guess we will go ahead and uh, answer his uh, other question, which which was in in the uh, we've had a bunch of these cast the red leg radio movie cast the red leg nation radio movie questions. He said nobody's asked the most important one is who plays me. Hashtag viewer mail. Hashtag razor movie. Hashtag Melissa McCarthy. Chad. It's because I always say Melissa McCarthy needs to play me because I'm hilarious and she's the funniest person on earth. So who plays uh, Phil Razor? I don't think Phil's in the movie. I'm sorry to say Phil? that. I think if we make this like a uh, a, sh a television show, he's the wacky neighbor. Yeah, if if we make this a television show, he's like the equivalent of like the pawn shop right. guy on yeah, Parks I think and Rec. So. Yeah. So he he's a nutty yeah. guy. Well, that guy, that guy can play Phil. Now, we're not gonna we're not gonna saddle him with Michael Richards, yeah. but he's a he's a nutty. Yeah, he's the guy that comes up mounting in and says something funny, and uh, or not, maybe not quite as funny, or he doesn't realize that it's funny, or it's not as funny as he thinks it is. Uh, actually, I changed my mind. It it would actually be Brad Pitt. 
<laughs> last question got in just before the wire. Wire. Doug Carroll asks at Doug Carroll C R E L. If Clint Hurdle managed the Cardinals, would you hate either him or the Cardinals more than you do now? If Clint Hurdle recently uh, deposed leader of the Pittsburgh Pirates, if he managed the Cardinals, would you hate either him or the Cardinals more than you do now? I think both, right? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I didn't un- have a bad opinion of the Pirates before Clint Hurdle turned them into the like, you know headhunters of the league. I'm I'm looking forward it's, to being largely wait. indifferent to the can't Pirates wait. again. Uh, yeah, Clint Hurdle is a disaster. He's a joke, and the Cardinals are there's there are literally there are no good things you can say about the Cardinals. Not a single thing. They're the worst. So, all right, Jason, uh, shall we uh, shall we end it up here? Good grief, we went longer than we should have gone, Jason. I just looked at the time. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. Just, that's how uh, we do. Yeah, so quick final thoughts. I'm not going to run through my spiel. Do you have any quick final thoughts? Uh, go Reds. Go Reds. Um, Even in the office. Okay, so for any of you that have listened the entire uh, podcast, I know no one has, but if you have, I want to see you uh, tweet out hashtag Jason equals downloads. So there you go. That's to see if anyone's actually listening all the way. Uh, he's Jason Linden. I'm Chad Dotson. And for also, who else? Um, let's say, oh gosh, who? Who do you think? I always add in some name here, and I don't have one. For How about this? For Jason Linden and Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.